I am Ashley Riot, and you are listening to Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the quarantine master disaster, Josh45. What up? And the also-quarantined CBS. What up? It's not, yeah, <laughs> not as funny. The first one was me saying what up, like, right. to the audience. The second one was me saying what up to you. Oh, there you go. To you, the CBS. It's double confusing. It's not double. The quarantine part's not nearly as fun as you think it is. It's double not quarantine confusing. Right. Uh, let's see, well, today we are going to be doing episode number 137. And book-wise, we're going to be going over uh, Hellions number one from Marvel Comics, and Batman number 89, this is Rebirth Batman, Hotel from uh, AWA number one. I don't think you have to like extend the L. I think it's still Probably pronounced not, the same. But it's hard to it's, you know. It's just it's hotel. Two L's, I know. It's just hotel. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then we decided we were gonna do a couple of like throwback books. Um like Marvel and DC both put out a batch of dollar reprint stuff. So we'll be doing one of those and the the title of the book as it is right now is actually True Believers Number One Savage She Hulk Empire, which is ridiculous. Um, what the book actually is, is Savage Seahawk, um, number one from 1990, just reprinted with a bunch of new ads and the weird banner on top of it. And then, uh, Dollar Comics, Justice League number one. And this is the, uh, Justice League number one from 1987. So it's the 87 edition of the Justice League. That one has more meaning when we get to the end of it, probably. Anyway, what's in the news, Josh? I don't have much news today, man. That's understandable. There's not much going on. Um, yeah. I'm sure you have more in like information about like when comics will begin start beginning to print and stuff. I did see that they were going to announce that they're going to start printing in uh, like mid May ish. But uh, yeah. yeah, Diamond's supposed to open back up. They're saying mid May for deliveries, so hopefully that means the 17th, which I think is a Wednesday, and then stuff can just start rolling out like normal. Um, DC Comics has made some jumps to acquire two new distributors to also distribute comics. Um, one of them is named Luna. I don't remember what the other one's name is. Uh, but the truth is, they're actually two different comic book shops. Um, <laughs> Luna is actually Midtown Comics in New York. And the other one, I don't remember what their, what their distributor name was. Which, uh, they tried to hide that pretty heavily when they first announced it, but... People figure that stuff out pretty quick. So DC will be putting out a batch of books. If you're ordering stuff through Midtown um, and your stores are actually open, as of next week, actually, there's five books coming out. Um, in our shop, only three of those books get bought by anybody, so kind of no point. Um, as of the conversation I have with Diamond on Monday, DC is still putting books out through Diamond as well. So I guess it just created a air of... Impossible competition, which maybe that'll help someday. Or it'll just make things more of a mess. Because um, DC's also saying they're wanting to release their books on Tuesdays, which Diamond's current platform, everything comes out on Wednesdays. That's something that was actually voted on two years ago by the comic industry. Like, we all got emails from Diamond wanting to know if we wanted to move our shipping delivery dates to be released on Tuesday or Wednesday. 
and it was like a whole thing where stores voted. Now, granted, I'm sure not every single store voted the same, but majority rules, and the comic industry decided that Wednesdays is the day they wanted. That way, video games and movies can come out Tuesday, and comic books have their own day, the same as they have for the past 40 years. But DC and their, uh... Ultimate wisdom. AT&T hierarchy is what I'm going to go with. Um, have decided that they wanted to release their books on Tuesdays. So how that will affect Diamond, we don't know yet. Um, if that means something will change delivery-wise, or if it means books will just show up earlier at the store, or if everything will change to Tuesday because DC is a bunch of sticks in the mud with stupid nonsense. It really kind of makes me mad, actually. Um, if it winds up being separate shipping, all it does is hurt comic book shops, which, at this point, with DC also threatening a bunch of digital stuff, it's almost like that's what they want anyway. And the pandemic just gave them a foothold to do it. Because um, there's a lot of talk of some books going direct to digital again. Which, as far as collectability hurts, I mean, yeah, it ruins the collectability of any of those books completely. Because you don't actually collect anything. You physically own nothing. Yeah, so. I, I, get, I get that to an extent. But like people who read common books, like it's like, if they're like, hey, Josh, like I know like you love Usagi Ojimbo, but like, um, it's only going to be released digital, so if you want to read it, then it has to be digitally now. I'll be like, all right, never mind. Then I'm just going to quit reading it. And I know that, like, I'm not, I'm not one of only a bazillion people who read comic books. I'm not the only one that's doing that. So, like, they're going to, like, regardless, like, oh, yeah, they're going to, they're going to lose. It's not going to be a They're going to, yeah, they're still, they're still paying creators to create it. So the majority of the, the cost of a comic book is the, the writer and the artist and the colorer and the inker and all that stuff. It still has to be created. Right. So, like, th- these two, two of the two of the five books that we're doing tonight are a perfect example. They're selling for a dollar. Right. Okay. Because the book's been done for 20, 30, 40 years. Exactly. Correct? So, it costs them... Nothing. They don't have to pay an artist. They don't have to pay a writer. Well, they did. They, own, well, they already did. Originally. They made money off it, but now they're just re-releasing it because yes. they can. Because they're like, oh, let's just release these, blah, blah, blah. Right. A dollar, obviously, they're selling it for some sort of profit. You would hope so. Because they're, they're, they're printing however many thousands of them, and they're like... Yeah, with all new ads, so I mean, they make some ad revenue from it. Half the ads are their own ads, so it makes me wonder about that. But whatever. I mean, I'm just saying that, like, that shows you how much the printing costs are. So, like, it's not the cost of the printing that's costing the company money. No, it's the people going making going, it. going Going purely digital, and, e- I mean, even the distribution a- like aspect of it, I mean, Amazon shows us that distribution is a very flawless process in this day and age. So, my whole thing is, by going purely digital... All they're doing is hurting themselves, and then, and you and me have had this argument before, and not an, not an argument, just a, a, a discussion of like um, the death of comic books. Um, they once thought that about vinyl records, and vinyl right. records out comp- like four times over outsell CDs now, and it's like the people who want it are going to get it one way or the other, and they're they're going to if, if you know if one company sells physical books, they're going to get the physical book from the companies that do. And then the other books who don't do that, they're going to dismiss out. Oh, but, yeah. No, I'm so, not disagreeing with that at all. My, my, my issue is when books become only option that way, like you said. I mean, if they decide to take Batgirl off the printing list and all you can get is digital for her, well, then when you come to an event where they cross over all the books and Chapter 3 is Batgirl and the only way to get Batgirl... That people just won't read it, man. Yeah, that's probably true. They're really... I mean, I know what you're saying, but... There right. are people who just don't care. Oh, you, no, I, I agree. mean, you yeah. as a business owner should understand that more than anybody. Oh, yeah, 100%. There are people that regardless just don't care, 
And so if, if they have to jump through an extra hoop to pay money on the internet for something that they're not going to hold in their hands, they're not going to do it. Hmm. People just don't care. And like, if you can't, comic books are one of the things that when you don't have a product, you can't sell it. Digital comics are only good for a small amount of people. No, I agree. As far as the thing, I'm not saying it's the right choice. I'm saying it's a fearful choice because it changes the landscape. And it's not that the landscape can't be changed or you can't modify and do better or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, for comic books to be what it is, it's more a matter of a slippery slope for the aftermath of it. I mean, to to, to dive into this debate because there's not any news today, really. Right. Like, I have, like, three movie news things that we can talk about, but... Sure. Um, ultimate, we've, ultimate, we've, we've talked about this problem before. It's just one more rung on the list of things. But, but they're ult- changing dates, and their threat of this, well, threat of this digital release the day before. The day before thing is not that big a deal, especially if you're a collector person or like you and me that physically reads comics, because that's how you're supposed to do it. Okay, but regardless of the day that they come out, let, I mean, let's say that they ship on a different day, and you get. You, I mean, whatever. Whenever they arrive, you know, you put them out. If somebody wants to come in on Tuesday to get those books, and they, but they get books that come out on Wednesday, they got to come back on Wednesday, or they just wait till Wednesday and come and get all of them. Like, it's not that big of a deal what day they come out. It really isn't that big of a deal. The only place it's a problem is the fact that if they're shipped separately, the whole reason Diamond works as good as it does for distribution and shipping is that your Marvel books, your DC books, your Dark Horse books, your Image books... They all come in one box. Now, when you buy a lot of books, you get multiple boxes. That's true. But they still ship together. So? So now if DC is shipping their books exclusively by themselves because of the different date release, you wind up doubling the amount of packing you get shipped. So you use a store, your freight bill is going to not double, but it will increase in an uncomfortable way. And with everyone sweating bullets right now with shoe line fractures of profit at comic book stores... It's just one more bill on top So, for the sake of a day. As you speak right now, and I'm listening to you talk, like, as somebody who works in an industry that has multiple purveyors, like, when things like this happen, and I know you and me have had, we, this has been an actual argument and discussion in, in private, and this is a good thing for people to hear, so they need to understand that, like, Diamond Distribution have had easy, they've been fat cats on the top for so many years and been allowed to just do things their way for so long that maybe this is a good change-up. Maybe it's good for them. They're charged. I I order 20-plus pounds of fish from Hawaii four times a week. Right. Okay? You know who pays for that shipping? You guys do. No, we don't. No? The company pays for that shipping. My shipping is free as long as they order at least 20 pounds worth of fish, CBS. Oh. So here's the deal with yeah. that. Well, that's a... Like, their, I see that being a thing. Their fish, because they sell so much fish, they're like, our fish is seventeen ninety five a pound for this, eighteen ninety five a pound for this, blah, 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 whatever. It is overnighted from FedEx and sent. The freight cost that you're paying is another cost that Diamond is pushing off on you guys as the distributor to reap more profit to offset it or whatever no, it's no it's just it's just another profit margin it's another way that they're making money because they can just all they have to do is 
put it in a box and ship it out, and then they make their money. Yeah, and, and somebody so, still buys the box, though. I mean, as far as cost for the company is concerned, yeah, someone you, buys the okay, box. Dude, you know how much boxes cost? Uh, I've never really purveyed them by themselves. How? Okay, and on average, think in your head. I'm not. I'm not going to ask you to say it. Like when, no as we're idea. talking right now, but like your freight costs when you pay, like the freight cost of the shipping part of it. Like mm-hmm. I know for a fact that like the cost of the cardboard boxes. Like you guys get what ten boxes, eight boxes of books a week, whatever. Like that's like three dollars worth of cardboard boxes. So, Lit- literally three dollars. So if so, all the companies go back to shipping their own stuff and they all want to give us free shipping, then it won't be a problem. But, but I guarantee but, you, Midtown's going to charge us. Well, maybe they won't though, because if if everybody's doing their own shipping, costs are going to have to come down. It's just like gas prices. It's just like any prices for anything else. When there's com- when there's competitive com- competition breeds competition for which which brings prices down for for the the consumer. Which you're the consumer in this aspect. Like it's just business. Like it's a good thing. Like. Like the change, like I know how you work as a human being, and that's, I mean, that's great. I, I, I you know, I get what you're saying, but be kind of weary of, of, of different things and like whatever. But I understand that, like, I've questioned for decades why Diamond has been allowed to be the only comic book distribution company in the world. The only one that is a monopoly in most businesses in the world that is broken up by the government. And because there's not, I mean, they don't make enough money to make a big deal. That's like saying that Disney is the only people in the world who are allowed to make movies. That's what that's saying, dude. I don't disagree with that. And it sounds like you're arguing an argument that's not a real argument. The whole reason they get away with that is because the broad terminalization of graphic novels. Because graphic novels is everything from a floppy comic to a hardbound graphic, to a hardbound 800 page whatever, omnibus, any of those book, however you terminology it, all follows in the category of graphic novel. So technically, they're not a monopoly because Random House and uh, Dabble Brothers all sell graphic novels. They don't sell floppy comics, but they sell the others. And because of the broad terminalization that the industry is being given or is what defines what a comic book is, technically they're not in a monopoly because of it. Okay, well... I don't agree, and you know I've told you that they're an evil corporation for as long as the day is long. But, as a thing, my real problem isn't so much of Dime or DC reaching out, is that they're reaching out in such a shady way to other stores. It's making me buy comic books from my competitor to sell. But again, I've also had this discussion with you that, like, if Midtown Comics, the company that owns Midtown Comics... The, the LLC, whatever it's named, which it's, it's not going to be called Midtown Comics LLC. It might be, but that LLC, if they become the distributor specifically for DC Comics, they're not going to be still, it's not like if DC Comics called you up and said, Hey, we want you to distribute all of our comic books from now on. Like you're going to have to create another corporation to do it. Just because they're two different businesses with, from the same business, they're still the same place. No, they're not. I mean, they kind of are, though. No, they're not. That's like, so think movies, right? You have Sony Pictures, and you have Sony Distribution. Or you have Fox, not Distribution, DVD. But then it's not the same, dude. It really isn't. Uh, like, it, it's not. 
just because they have the distribution facilities, right? That's why they're probably going to allow that to happen. Midtown Comics will 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 be will exist because Midtown like if you mean to tell me that you think that Marvel Comics is going to be okay with Midtown like with their with their biggest rival, which would be DC Comics distributing for the big like that's not going to happen. So that may, that would mean Marvel would no longer allow Midtown Comics to buy their product. So they're gonna have to. They're gonna have to separate. There, there is a ground in the future you're saying, and you can call them separate companies all day long. But if the same guy at the fat end of the table is the same dude. It's the same company. It doesn't matter how many underlings you have in the middle. It's like the mob. There's 800 mob bosses, but there's only one Godfather. So it doesn't matter what part of the mob it is. It's all part of the same mob. But but Diamond distrib- Distribution is already doing that. There's already one guy at the end of the table getting all the money in as, as it is. So that's I don't- not the argument. It is the argument, though. No, it's not. It is, though. You're you're mad that like DC Comics is like, like that's that's the frustration is like you're you're mad that Midtown's going to do it, but you're not mad that that Diamond already does it. The only benefit to having one distributor is that the shipping side of things is better. And if they all want to give us free shipping, awesome. But the shipping's not better because you guys are paying the freight charges. When like if there's multiple companies doing it, they'll be mm-hmm. like, well, you know what, we're gonna we're not going to charge right freight anymore because this co- we, you know we can do it this way. Sure. That's the difference, man. That's what I'm trying to if, tell you. If that, like, they do, at the end of the day, we haven't got enough information for them to know that. Based on the way every other company in the world runs, for the most part, you pay shipping on whatever you buy, regardless of whether it comes from... But you don't. On most stuff. If you buy something from Amazon today... It's free. Not everything is... It depends on what it is. It depends on where it comes from. Most shit is free now because it's it's easier for big warehouses to be like, oh, free shipping. Free shipping, free shipping. Because if they like, give us free shipping, because if I awesome. look at if I look at book that's if I look at something that's five dollars and I look at something that's six dollars and the five dollar thing has shipping tacked onto it, but the six dollar thing doesn't, shipping is going to be four dollars for the five dollar thing. So like I'm like you know it's just because it's cheaper in the in the beginning doesn't mean it is in the long run. Sure. So like, just on eBay, same thing. Like like if I'm if if, if it's they tag them on the front side, yeah. And the thing is, is like Diamond Distribution has screwed over the independent comic book shops for so long by making guy forcing you guys to pay for that. Like they, they are all they're doing is is like taking something from another company that they paid for to print, putting it in a box, and sending it to you. That's all they're doing. They're just a shipping. They're just a shipping house. Right. They're a shipping ship distribution center. They don't That's, actually print anything. That is all that they do. Well, at the end of the day, with all the shipping stuff, like, we're going to try to get you your books as quick as we can at the store. And you guys all know that. Like, we'll do the best we can, whether we are using two companies or one company or no companies or whether this is the end of all comics altogether. I guess we'll see. But as a thing, we're, we'll try to get you your books as quick as we can. I mean, ultimately, they still probably won't be till the middle of May because Colorado might open up in two weeks. It might open up, uh, you know, whenever. These are unprecedented times. There's nothing, and there's no nobody saw any of this coming. Oh no! Yeah, and, and ultimately, like maybe it was the one thing that like could potentially save a bunch of independent comic book stores a bunch of money. Like it could be a really, 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 really great thing, and like and really force a company like Diamond to really rethink its business practices because they just got they got, I think they got made in my opinion got lackadaisical on like how they were doing things. And like, oh, we'll make everybody pay for shipping. We'll make everybody this. Like, so like maybe like, okay, we need to like tighten things up. We can we can help the the customer by like getting them like a little bit more of a deal. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a cool thing. It, it could, it could be a really cool thing, but until like 
anything goes back to normal, which we don't know when that will be. Yeah, because no what what is normal anymore? Right. Like it's just it's chaos, man. Like it's really really crappy. But one of the things that is cool that they did is that they managed to get the, all the companies to agree. Well, not all of them, I guess. Marvel, DC, and I think Image to offer returnability on books that scheduled to release up until June. So that's different entirely because that was never a thing before. So, I mean, that could help, but bookstores are already closing because of all this, like places like New York and places where the rent is just so crazy. And that's a different, it doesn't help them at all, but for us it might be okay. Right. So I guess we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, like you said, man, it, it might be a windfall for everyone. Until we get a little farther down, who knows? But just going to take time. So hopefully, like again, like you said, like I know that whatever it's going to take to get the customer their books, that you guys are going to do. Sure, you always have. Like it's going to be that way. Like where we are, there's no other comic book stores. Like if people, I mean, and, and there's some, there's something to be said about that brick and mortar where you walk in and be like, I need this today, and I, and you have it. And if you don't have it, you can find it. And a lot of times, there's ways you can find it. It, like finding a book, like I I I was I was telling you like er, like earlier today that like if I'm looking for a record, music is so like widely distributed. That, like if 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 I go down to my local record store and they don't have it and they don't know when they can get it, like I can get on eBay and find it for a decent price. But like when it comes to books, like there's only so many books made. I, I know the same thing with records. I get it, but it, when it comes to books, like. Most people, like, if you, if, you know, if you don't have it at the store, it's because it's, like, already a super, super hot commodity. Oh, when yeah. it comes to records, it's because, like, oh, we don't sell this weird, obscure band <laughs> from Australia. And so, like, you know, we, we right. can get it, but you can also, you can also get it just as easy as we can kind of thing. Like, comic books are, like, a lot more universal in that way. They're, like... Yeah, once the store it, doesn't have, it's probably... If this issue number 00999444276 has a, like... The Stars and Stripes Super Kid's first appearance, um, you know, like, and finally it becomes ultimately if you don't have it because it's sold out, then like everybody wants it. It's going to be selling for like a zillion dollars on eBay. Yeah. That's just how things happen in comic book world. Right. But you know, like when it comes to, when it comes to records, man, there's like a million different record labels and like there's a million different app bands putting out records. So it's like ultimately going straight to the band is the easiest way to get it but like comics don't work that way right because you i mean it just it's a different it's a different ball game so i mean i think that like the great thing is is like you guys are willing to to do whatever it takes to get the the publication to the the consumer and like ultimately like the most important thing is like these artists and these writers are creating which writers are artists as well like these artists are creating this 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 amazing story that they're trying to get it to our, to us to right. enjoy. And it's just like, that's only the greatest thing. It's like these, these people have this story that they want to tell. Like somebody who's like grew up reading Batman finally grows up and they're like, Oh, I get to write Batman finally. And they, right. get, they get to tell the story. They get to do this thing. And like, and you, then you get to read it because you're a Batman fan. Like, Oh, that's an amazing story. I never, it's, it's, it's somebody that gets a story that maybe this, this person who's, had this idea in their head for, you know, however many twenty five years, years yeah. you know, and since they were a kid, kid, yeah. you know, and that's a cool thing, like something that's like, it, it's just brilliant, you know, like I, I've, I've always felt like more of like a, like this more of an affinity for like a writer versus an artist, like I, you know, I love great art, don't get me wrong, but like a good written story has always been what's like 
drawn me in more than like this, the, the art. And it's like, I think that that's a, it's a really cool thing that like, I mean, in digital comics, that, that won't, that won't be a thing. Not the same way, I don't think. And it won't. It's just like, I, I, Either I, side I've tried it. to, I've tried yeah. to read digital comics on my phone and stuff. When you got an early preview for something, and when they're like, "Hey, we're gonna like do an early preview so I guess can talk about it," and we we've gone through them, yeah, and it was cool. It was cool to have it early, but like I was like, I struggled reading it, man. Yeah, it's definitely like, a different thing. It's just like I, I'm on my phone as enough as it is. Like I want to be able to touch something physical, and I just it, I think that's gonna make it massive. It's like it's like Kindle or um, you know any of those things, right? Like, I think yeah. ultimately people just want to touch something. At the end of the day, I hope that so, holds true with more people then. Because there's a whole group of us on that side of the boat. I think I all, hope that's the bigger side. All the people who listen to the podcast and like go into the store and stuff, like hopefully ultimately they realize that like, hey, these people care about us. They're going to try and get the books as quickly as possible. And it's like, well, in this day and age, like I, I ordered some stuff like six weeks ago and it hasn't come yet because it's like weird shipping oddity like i mean they're 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 trying to get the stuff that's most important first kind of thing so it's just like well you you import figures from japan for our other show action figure deconstruction the videos which you can also find on youtube that's a yeah definitely pitch in the middle that was a good segue for two things because we have an issue of batman that has the first two first well has one first appearance and then his second appearance in it but unfortunately there's still more news things so couple done that different couple more quick quick things venom 2 Tom Hardy reveal like did like a Venom two teaser supposedly like I don't um, I think he, it was an Instagram picture or something. But um, the official title of the of the movie is going to be called Venom: Let There Be Carnage, and but they did move it from October second of this year to um, June twenty fifth of twenty twenty one. They pushed it back. Also, one of the most exciting things that I mean that's happened during this whole nonsense going on right now is that um, the Man- Mandalorian season three is already in pre production. So like. Mandalorian, that means season two is already wrapped and ready. And that means that like season three is already, already underway. So that means like we get like another full season of an amazing story, an amazing character, amazingly written, visual, one of the best shows that's come out in a long time. I know people argue with me like, well, Stranger Things is amazing or Stranger you know, Things is amazing. But John Favreau did a Peaky great Blinders job. is a thing. Like there's a lot of great shows, but you know what? One of the best shows that I've seen in a long time that just blew my mind that I was like, I was like, eh, yeah. we'll see. Mandalorian was incredible. That's so good. Favreau did such a good job orchestrating people to direct those episodes and writing it is just so amazing. Like he's, the, what they've been saying is I guess he's been writing season three for the better part of this year, which is crazy. But yeah, season two, I don't think actually premieres till October or November or something. So we still have several months before it comes out. But yeah, like as a thing, if you haven't seen season one, you really need to get on it because it's awesome. It's fantastic. Um, well, other pieces of news, one more sad thing, San Diego Comic-Con got canceled, which breaks my soul, but, you know, I guess we'll see what next year's like. What I really wonder is, all the exclusives that would have been in this year's show, are they going to release those someplace? Or is it going to be something that next year there's double exclusives? Because uh, it seems like it'd be a weird thing to make them all and then just sit them in a warehouse. Well, well I bet you they'll release through different websites or something. If you haven't gathered already, we didn't talk about this news before where you like started the podcast. So huh. my theory on it, because we didn't, if we would have discussed it, maybe this would have been like a lot of things, like a lot of, let's say exclusive style action figures. Right. A lot of those factories are in China. And so like, there's a lot of things not coming right now. Ooh. And so 
I wonder if like maybe the delays is that I mean that affects the exclusives as well. Very you know good I mean? possibility. So, like, I about that. Printing presses are all in the U.S. and Mexico and Canada. Canada yeah. Um, but like when it comes to action figures, a lot of those things are overseas. China. So it's like mm-hmm. there's a lot of uh really cool figures that are supposed to be coming out that have been delayed. Like um, the new Eagle Force line, the um, Planet Green Valley, the um, oh, yeah. Action Force deconstruction, uh, the GI, the new GI Joe six inch line. Like a lot of things have been delayed because of it. A lot of things they already had. Sure. Um, but, that's a very good possibility that the stuff that would have been San Diego exclusives this year may be exactly in that situation. So that might, that might be another thing. So like they might eventually, like since they've already been in probably pre-production. Right. They put it on, they do exclusives on websites and things. Maybe. Like the snake eyes from the six inch line. Um, has repulsed, like, they already released him. Yeah. Like, they, that was supposed to be a later on. And I saw pe- that. They weren't supposed to come out, they weren't supposed to ship until July. Yeah. And they, people have already gotten them. Like, they're already gone. They're already been, like, what they got, they got, they shipped, and everybody has them already. So, um, they were like 40, so, like $40 on has repulsed, and now they're going for like $200 aftermarket already. Yeah. It's worse than a, it's just like a San Diego exclusive. Exactly. Exclusive. So that's probably what's going to happen. Probably. Anybody sees anything about that, send us a link. You know what I mean? It'll probably be too late, but that's all right. Um, only other thing I had, so Dark Knight's uh, Death Metal, they made an announcement that they're going to be putting out a de- Dark Knight guide. So like a, a book about the individual knights and like a, like a checklist kind of thing. So kind of like Marvel when they used to do the old Marvel A to Z's. Like that, except for, for the Dark Knight. So if you didn't read one, this will give you a brief overview of a bunch of them. So that should be kind of cool. Um, whenever that actually gets to come out. Um, but that'll be neat. So I guess there's that. I think that was all I really had as far as stuff is concerned. Uh, so we'll move on to books. Yep. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Okay. Uh, so first book, we're going to do the Hellions number one from old Marvel Comics. So, I had asked a lot of questions before this book because, um, X-Men's been chaos and I don't, I don't read X-Men books regularly. I know kind of what's going on. I knew that like Havoc had been kind of brainwashed into like evil Havoc and never ca- came back when everybody else did and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. They had the story. Uh, gosh, I can't remember what the name of the book was. Oh, Axis. That's what it was called. During Axis, the Red Skull released a hate bomb, which turned a bunch of good guys sort of bad, and a bunch of bad guys sort of good. And then uh, at the end of it, most of them got fixed. Um, but Havoc elected not to get fixed, so he has been sort of evil Havoc. And then we had the whole restart of everybody on the island. And so it's hard to say how much of Axis is still affecting him, and where that line really is at, because I don't think there's a clear place that it exists. But yeah, for a minute there, he had some stuff going on with his personality because of all that. All right, so we got Hellions number one. And it's written by Zeb Wells. Um, the artist is Stefan Segovia. Color artist is David Curiel. And letterer is VCs Corey Pettit. And design by Tom Muller. There's multiple cover artists. Um, yeah, it had a whole handful of variant covers as being a number one. There was a pile of them. And so issue number one, let them be snakes. So this book is very Havoc heavy. Oh, yeah. Which is really cool. So I'm a big Havoc fan. So it starts out with like, um, some paramilitary group 
in some operation, then all of a sudden an X group comes out of nowhere, which is Wolver- led by Wolverine, it seems like. Um, I think it's like, is it Siren? Is that her name? It's like the female Banshee. Yeah, Siren. Um, a few other people, and they take him down. Um, Nightcrawler's there, Havoc's there. Um, they take one of the guys down that was in the van. They're like looking to set off some sort of bomb. Like one of the other guys shoots a rocket launch uh, missile at at the van to try and take out Havoc and Nightcrawler. And Nightcrawler's knocked out, but Havoc kind of wakes up and some of the paramilitary guys come over like just talking trash to him and he's like Havoc starts laughing and he's just like you guys have no idea and he just starts using his powers to just mess these dudes up and then finally Wolverine comes and has to knock Havoc off this guy because it was going to kill the guy oh yeah he's basically going to melt him it's his eyes are all super possessed when it happens too it's yeah. kind of crazy like the dudes were definitely looked like they were trying to they're going to kill him but if you're the good guys you can't do that so and he kind of comes out of it, and he's just like, "Oh my gosh, what did I do? What are you talking about?" And they they get like, like they they like we can smell flesh. He's like, "What did I do?" But I mean, they they never talk about what it, talks the whole time that like through the whole book that he doesn't kill anybody, which is yeah, um, he didn't actually kill any of them, but like but, he melted one pretty bad. Well, broke he, some ribs on the other one. He damaged some people. So yeah. anyway, then on Krakoa at the Quiet Council, he got um. Professor X, you got Magneto, you got Apocalypse, you got uh, Mr. Sinister, um, you have Apocalypse and Mystique and Sebastian Shaw and the White Queen. Oh, yeah. It's a whole handful of baddies and the only couple quote-unquote goodies, I guess. I mean, really the only goodies. Well, I, I wouldn't... You mean Magneto falls on both sides and Mystique. Magneto, yeah. Magneto and... I mean, and I would say... Um, Oh, uh, Executioner. No, uh, it's Apocalypse's... No, I just, I just uh, said his Shoot, yeah. He did, and I don't remember what it is. He's from Genosha. He, were, he was, he was uh, uh, Magneto's right-hand man. I can't remember his name. Exodus. Yeah. Exodus is right. That's his name. Yeah. Took a minute. I don't know if I call him bad or not, but he was basically Magneto's right-hand man during but the he's, whole But he's not down. bad. He's just... He's a different, yeah. different feel. Like... So I would say, like, you know, Professor X has been bad. That's true. Ultimately. so I mean, And so is Magneto, but, like, and Exodus and Mystique. But really, the only two bad ones that have been, always been bad? Right. Ah, Sebastian Shaw, I guess. Sebastian Shaw's been bad, yeah. Sebastian Shaw, Apocalypse, which, again, Apocalypse is kind of just, like... It's weird where he fits right now. But him and uh, and uh, Mr. Sinister. Sinister, Sebastian Shaw, and Apocalypse have always landed on the side of bad... As far as the X-Books are concerned, I mean, yeah, there's some history books for Apocalypse where, oh, no, he was just an Egyptian dude and then eventually became bad. But, but they're, yeah. But they're all discussing basically what to do with, like, these really bad mutants. mutants. Yeah, like Havoc. and Well, and Havoc falls there because of his outlash or his lash out. But, yeah, there's a whole handful of them that have been doing, they've been bad guys. They've, they're bad guys because their powers lead them to be bad. So, like, what do we do with them? What do we, like, right. we throw them in the pit of, what do they call it? Yeah, in the pit, pit we've of seen, exile. We've seen them put, like, Sabretooth in there, and it seems to me, I think the pit really is actually eating the people in it. I don't know if they realize that or not, but anyway, yeah, that doesn't matter. It's a different conversation. But yeah, they're trying to decide what to do with them. Do we put them in jail? Do we put them in the pit? Like, what do we do with them? So it shows multiple people. It shows Havoc, and it shows Wild Child, and it shows 
Um, oh, uh, it's not Ether. It's, uh, oh, I can't remember that kid's name. Empath. There we go. Empath. And then what's his orphan maker and nanny, which are like a weird. Yeah, they're a weird bag. Like, oh, for, the, we, They've been around for a minute, but Nanny and Orphan Maker, they're basically a dude in, like, an Iron Man suit and a lady in an egg suit. This is weird. And, and uh, then- yeah, they've been around since 88. Like, they're they're not super old, but they have very few appearances. And, like, he's a broken child inside, and she, like, directs him, but is maybe, was definitely crazy. I mean, she looks like an egg with lips. Right. It's and, crazy. And then there was a uh, Scalp Hunter, which is one of the... Um, Morlocks. M- well, one of the Marauders. Marauders, sorry, yeah, Marauders. Yeah, so, anyway, they kind of, like, show, like, the backstory. Like, the first one was Havoc, and they show kind of, like, the backstory of whatever, what, what all the other guys did but to get in trouble. Um, they start with Empath and how he's just, like, hanging out with a bunch of other mutants and, like, laughing because he's, like, making them f- a bunch of girls fight each other. Yeah, he's mind-controlling them to, to, yeah, basically just kick the crap out of each other. And he's, like, laughing about it and, like, this one one kid st- is like, "Hey, stop it!" Like, and then he makes this kid go to these other actual X Men to like to try to fight them. Yeah, like he puts it in his head to basically try to fight off two actual X Men versus this kid that's a new mutant that doesn't have a whole lot of he doesn't have a whole lot of behind him training. Right. Not not such a good idea. So and it's all for his amusement. Like that's the messed up part. It goes to the next story of like Beast and Angel and a couple other people trying to calm down Orphan Maker, and he's just like, "I don't want a nap," and he's just like, "I just want a nanny," and they're like, headbutts Beast in the face, breaks his nose, blood goes everywhere, and he's just like, "Oh my gosh, this is let out, let out, nanny, nanny," and yeah, it's such a weird thing. But and then she, and then he's fine. And they like calm down. He calms down. Like super bizarre. So the next story starts off with uh, Sage and Cecilia Reyes. The doctor makes four shields, yeah. yeah. And it's the wild child episode, and they're walking up onto him to give him some medication. He's laying on a bed, and they find something digging in, like, a thing, and they, like, found, like, a whole bunch of... um, The pills they've been supposedly giving him. To calm him down. Yeah, he's he's rage monster. And he's not (laughs) asleep, and he's goes nuts and um, Reyes turns her her force shield thing up to protect them. So the next one is um, Scalp Hunters and he's just sitting on a beach and he's just cleaning his guns. A normal thing to do on the beach. I'm like, what are you doing, John? He's like, oh, it's, it's the day I clean my guns. Same day as every day. A bunch of the Morlocks are just like are on the beach like talking trash to him because he was part of the Marauders who went in and slaughtered a bunch of Morlocks. Right. And uh, they're like, yeah, uh, it's the anniversary of the Mutant Massacre we didn't forget. And they go in there like mess him up and then it just turns into be the big thing. So then they're all he obviously did something terrible to him because it goes back right back to the council and everybody's talking and then all of a sudden Sinister is just like, um, stop, uh, I see somebody in the back, we haven't let him talk yet, and it's, it's Havoc. And then, uh, Cyclops runs out of nowhere, he's like, why is Alex in here, blah, blah, blah. Um, and they're like, Storm and 
Gene, which one Gene Gray? I'm not sure which Gene Gray it is at this point. At this point, there's only there's only one real Gene Gray. There had whenever they did the the Kakoa thing, we've only seen one Marvel girl. So this is normal Gene Gray. The elder one, or the the older, or the younger. The younger one was time traveled away, so she's not around anymore. Oh, okay, so this is like the this the, is the regular the age appropriate. Yes, the one that came back from after came back from the dead. Yes. Okay. So Storm and her are like. Um, this is the, uh, business, of the council and Gene Gray's like, he put three humans in the hospital, Scott, lost, two lost limbs, one's disfigured for life. And he's just like, I don't remember. I don't, you know, I, think my, doesn't my, remember doing any of I think my head's still messed up. Nightcrawler's there. He's like, he was going to kill them if not for Logan. Magneto's like, if there'd been death, there'd be no discussion, no choice but to exile him to the pit. Um, and then Cyclops is like, in that case, I would have no other choice either, which is like, I'm not going to let my brother go into this pit. Like, that's pretty much what he's like. Yeah, I'd fight the council. It, it's cool because Cyclops gets a bad rap for being a Boy Scout, but the dude's done some questionable stuff. And well, usually for the side of, you know, what sort of right, even when it's bad. But yeah, as far as defending his brother, he wasn't going to let his brother get tossed in the jail or well into the pit. But then like, the crazy like southern preacher like sugar 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 mouth fork tongue right. sinister <laughs> mister comes in he's just like I got an idea right I'll tell you what man him being so I'll southern you, one's crazy I'll tell you what baby Jesus I'll tell you what here's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna tell you what what you want me to do is let me start the special team and what we're gonna do is we're gonna go mess up a bunch of stuff and we'll be okay <laughs> and everybody's like Okay, that's a good idea. <laughs> well, they discuss about it. He's like, not really. Give, give me them and let me do my own thing. They're gonna be like, these are all crazy <laughs> people. and They need to do crazy things. So let me start this crazy. Let me let me take make this crazy team, and then we're gonna put Psylocke in charge of it. <laughs> <laughs> right, and, and not like Betsy Braddock Psylocke, the like Psylocke, Psylocke, the the assassin Psylocke. So Quanon, the uh, the assassin that. For the longest time, when Betsy was sharing a body, she was sharing it with Quan, and we all thought she was dead. But turns out that, nope, they are both just in the same body. Now Betsy has her own body, so now we have two Psylocke's, Betsy Braddock, and Psylocke Quanon. I think that's how you say it. But yeah, so it's not, it's not Betsy, it's the assassin. So their goal is to go to, um, Mr., one of Mr. Sinister's Labs in Nebraska, one of his old bases, to go destroy a bunch of like horrible clone situations. And there's actual mutants there. They're not allowed. They're not. They're not supposed to hurt any of the actual mutants, but just destroy the clones and shut down the place. Right. And yeah, it just seems very creepy and weird. Like again, like Mister Sanders is always questionable with everything he does. He's very, very questionable in general. It's just super odd. They, I mean, before they even leave, they, like, the word about Wild Trail, like, oh, you know, if, if, if you don't establish yourself as the alpha, he's not going to follow you, and, like, so I was like, that won't be a problem. <laughs> well, I mean, she so then, has all the power still, so. so. then, uh, you know, Wild Child and, um, Scalp Hunter start fighting, and they both got healing factors to an extent, so, like, it's not that big of a deal, and Havoc's like, uh... Okay, well, how'd I get roped into this? And I think that he's just like... Doesn't feel like he belongs, necessarily. I think he kind of got suckered into it. Like, I don't, think, he's, I don't think he should be there. Like To me, 
early on, especially coming from Wolverine. It's like Wolverine should have been like, hey, man, you need to chill out. You need me to go do some yoga on the beach. But, like, I'm not going to say anything. It'll be fine, though. Right. Because, like, ultimately, like, Wolverine doesn't care. Wolverine's the biggest killer of all, I think, of all time. Like, he's, Wolverine's, like, done some really horrible things. It's pretty questionable when he's the voice of reason. Yeah. It's questionable. So it's like, oh, he messed up some dudes who were trying to kill my team. Right, and kill him effectively. Yeah. So, like, that's weird that he's part of us. So, some way, that's a thing. I'm sure at some point that'll come into play. But, yeah, it's a, it's weird that he got dimed in with the rest of them. So, there's, like, the orphanage. Of the, what, it's an, it's actually, it's a lab, but it's also an orphanage. Well, yeah, the building itself was. And it was Havoc and, Sy- and Scott's orphanage that they were at when they were kids. Yeah, Mr. Sinister's always had a weird uh, fixation with the Summers family. And anybody connected to him. So, you know. Yeah. Which the reveal at the end is pretty crazy because of how it's connected to both of them. <laughs> Super nuts. And he's like, yeah, there's a lot more going on than, he, than I oh, yeah, told Mr. anybody. Sinister. So, you're, you're basically, <laughs> good luck walking into hell. And then it shows the Essex estate home for foundlings. And it's like a bunch of weird noises and dripping water and people hanging from their legs. And just seems like really creepy and odd and some swirling of hands, some some sort of mutant power. And uh they start to wake up and then it's like shh, go back to sleep. And then like the last reveal is Madeline Pryor. Yep. And she's like, rest for the horror to come. And basically if you know who Madeline Pryor is, she is a clone of Jean Grey, who is um the mother of Cable slash uh, a one-time wife slash lover of Scott Summers, who is also the father of Cable, during a really odd time when Jean was dead. Right. And at one point... Her and she, Havoc were hooked up for a minute, too. They also called her the yeah. Goblin Queen. Goblin Queen was her, uh, was her mad power name. So we had the Goblin Queen, which is the evil Jean Grey. And we had the Phoenix, which was Jean Grey turned evil by the Phoenix. So the Goblin Queen's pretty bad news. I mean, she's the whole reason a whole bunch of stories happened in the 90s and the 80s. Uh, but yeah, and she's existed in a couple of realities too. But yeah, it's it's crazy that that's what is going on. So it's a pretty good reveal. Um, I guess we'll see what happens when issue two happens someday. Because this came out right before they shut down everything. Uh, score-wise, you got a score for that book there, Josh? You know, I haven't read X-Men for a while. And then every time I read a decent book, like, I like the Marauders book with Kitty Pride. It's pretty fun, yeah. I get it on a pretty high score. I give this one a four. Excited to see where it goes, because I think, I mean, there's a lot of deception and a lot of craziness. Krakoa, like, Council, I think is a bunch of jokers who don't know what they're talking about. And I can't wait till somebody just, like... It seems like an odd pairing of everyone. Like Cyclops is like, F you guys. I'm just right. like do what I want, because like, it just seems like, ah, oh, whatever, ah, the pit of despair, like, it's not the pit of despair, but you know what I mean, like, yeah, yeah, the idea that their jail is actually a pit in the island itself is pretty questionable, um, well, score-wise, I mean, yeah, you know, I, with, with your Mr. Sinister being the southern preacher, um, I'll give it four and a half now, because, you know, I never thought of him that way talking, but he is very car salesman so, I guess I could see that. Art's pretty good. Story's interesting. 
I like the built team of basically killers, so I think that's pretty cool. The reveal at the end, I mean, I like Madeline Pryor a lot, mostly because of the X, or for the Mutant X storyline, the other universe. So I don't have a, they have a disposition because I like that costume, but technically it was a different version of her than what we're getting here, so. But yeah, like as a thing, I gave it a four and a half, I thought it was pretty strong for first issue. She hasn't, uh, uh, to be fair, like, the Goblin Queen hasn't been an actual, like, in continuity since 2014. Yeah, she's not been around um, for a while. And there's only, like, a, like only in X-Men Volume 4, but she didn't, before that it was 2009, so it's something that's been, like, and then before that it was 1989, so, like, it's yep. been, like, two appearances since 1989, only two appearances. Right. Um, I think she was in Mutant X. She was, but it was also Havoc. technically alternate universe. But that was actual Havoc, though, it for was. a long time. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, Mutant X, she was... In Mutant X, when Havoc dropped out in the other universe, but she, effectively, she was like his wife. But she was good, though. She was. Well... Ish. Good-ish. But that whole world is a different version of reality altogether. And half our X-Men characters, like our normal X-Men, just didn't exist or were dead. And we had, like, the Blood Queen, which is Storm as a vampire. And then we had a different version of Archangel. Like, it was awesome, actually. Mutant X was great. But in Mutant X, she was Havoc's uh, wife. Um, very different kind of things going on. So, But yeah, as far as the thing, she has not been around for a fair amount. All right, I'm going to move on to Batman. So this is Batman number 89. This is uh, James Tinian is the, uh, is the guy writing it. This is early in his takeover of Batman since the Tom King run ended. Okay, and the art's by uh, Cargo... Car- Carlo Pogolayan and uh, Gillum March and Danny Meek. So there's a whole handful of people on here. Um, covered by Tony Daniels for the normal cover. Couldn't tell you the variant because I don't remember, but um, as a thing, art's great in it. Just forewarning. I'm a little irritated that, like, it seems like doesn't matter what company and what book and what whatever is like they keep changing the credit page, which like used to, it seemed like at. for years and years was like close to the beginning. Yeah, and now it's like sometimes at the end, sometimes in the middle. Some it's like it's really frustrating, and it's like I, you know, those are things that I'm interested in. Like I want to know who the writer is. I want to know who the artist is. Like in it's just they just throw it in wherever. It is it is odd that there's not a. A normal, even that with like the byline stuff too, like the tagline for the books. Sometimes at the beginning, sometimes at the end, sometimes just two pages at the end. Like, it's weird how they line things up now, because it's kind of just random. Yeah, really bizarre, but yeah, for both companies actually. Um, for most companies, yeah. I don't even say both. I say most. Yeah, it's pretty wild. Um, so we open up and we're at the uh, Gotham Mercy Hospital. And we've got a couple of uh, nurse aid types or nurses talking about how the city is being redeveloped by Bruce Wayne and how they would like a say in it. So we got a guy and a girl, and the, the guy's reading the newspaper, and he's like, ah, I just really wish we had a say in what's happening in the city. We basically just gave this crazy billionaire a whole bunch of city blocks to do whatever he wants with, and none of us get to see it. Now we're all breathing in the pollution, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, well, he's like, we're going to have to wear gas masks every day. And she's like, well, we probably should have gas masks anyway with all the Joker stuff and the poison gas from the penguin and all the, you know, all the crazy things that happen. Anyhow, so, which well, says poison gas from, like, the Riddler. Anyway, the next scene, like, as things happen, all of a sudden the doors kick open, they both freak out, and in stumbles a penguin, bleeding profusely from his neck. And he's, uh, freaking about the guy who did this to him following him, and he tells him, 
that he didn't, he needs help. And of course they rush to help him. And he's like, you do realize who I am, right? Um, if I die tonight, your family's going to die. Here's a phone number to call. Now get me into a room or something. And they basically set him up to have surgery because the way he's bleeding. Uh, from there, we cut right to Batman in action. And he's chasing after a newer character, Gunsmith. Um, Gunsmith, I want to say, is introduced in number 86, like maybe three issues ago. And he basically got his name from building a gun out of items he could buy at a airport thrift store which is where his gunsmith name came from, which is kind of cool. Anyway, well, he's in the process, of course, fighting Batman, and so we had a lot of cool inner monologue with Batman thinking about what to do about this dude. And uh, as he's being dragged behind him on a motorcycle with a guy firing at him, he shoots a batarang up and into his gun and blows it up. And from there, two of them have some fisticuffs, and Batman gets shot a few times. And at the end of it, Batman's taking him out, and he's like, I'm going to have to get a new suit, because like, his leg's all shot up and his arm's all burned up from being drugged behind the motorcycle. So it's like a pretty cool like fight sequence. And who he's talking to on his headset we find out is Lucius Fox. Because of things that have happened, um, we're predisposed to use Lucius now. Um, from there, he, as he's talking to Lucius about, this is just a distraction. They're trying to throw me off. They're trying to make me react. I have to make a decision and do something different. And we cut from there. He, well, he tells Lucius, we need to find Catwoman. And from there, we cut from... That sequence to Harley Quinn whooping a couple dudes, and Catwoman in the process of also whooping some guys. We found out the Catwoman's transmitter's been turned off, so that's why Batman doesn't know where she is. And uh, the two of them, in the process of whooping these dudes, we wind up seeing there's a corpse in, the, in, a, in a grave that looks like the Joker with gas leaking out of his face. Because when this fight started last issue, that was what we were faced with. And of course, Harley in the process is like, that's not really the Joker, and she tells... Catwoman exactly who she thinks it is, which is a dude he used to work for Cat for the for the Joker. It had a similar face structure, but it's not him. So the process of all this, and there's a cool banter between the girls and uh, Catwoman's like, "What are you doing in town anyway? Did you miss Gotham?" And she's like, "Oh, I'm here to kill the Joker." You know, because that needs to happen. And Catwoman's like, "Sure, I don't see why not. Um, thanks for the help." And so after they've defeated the guys, um, she tells Harley she needs to get a hold of Batman. And uh, as the two of them are talking. Somebody shoots an arrow directly at Catwoman's head, and Harley stops it with her with her hammer, like the backhand stick of it. And we want to find out that there's somebody else here now, not just the thugs from the Joker gang, but we are also faced with Merlin, um, who's there to kill her as well. And Merlin has uh, Lady Shiva in tow, which is a pretty deadly duo, considering. And uh, Catwoman's like, crap. And Harley's like, oh, you want some help? She's like, I don't see why not. So the two of them basically go after him. In the process of all that, we weren't getting this side shot of somebody watching the fight with a pair of binoculars. And what the person says is, hmm, she didn't look so tough. And if you know all the hype around this book, then you, you'll know who it is already, but it's not really revealed, revealed. Then we cut from there to another villain type who's fairly new. And uh, this fellow is the two, well, two of the years, what he was called... He's now calling himself Mr. Teeth, which is all part of the backstory they set up a couple issues ago. Uh, and it kind of gives you a backstory of him actually in this issue. And as he's walking through the hallway, slinking around to do whatever he's going to do, Batman shows up and, of course, handles him fairly easily, considering. And we wind up finding out that Batman was going to see the Riddler, and this guy's at the Riddler's hideout, which doesn't make a lot of sense. And that all the traps that usually Batman would have to deal with are not currently turned on which is also very odd. 
And Batman mentions to Lucius as they're talking that normally the floor's line with C4, and it's there, it's just not active, which is also really weird. So after defeating Mr. Teeth, uh, Batman's looking around the room, he sees one monitor still active in the in the batch of monitors that the uh, Riddler has set up to view the city and track things, and he's like, well, one of them's on, and he starts playing it back, and we see a video where we meet a brand new character, uh, the designer, who has basically a white mask with a D in the middle of it, a crazy fur collar, like his costume is kind of crazy, and he's facing down the Riddler, and the Riddler's back is facing the camera, but you can see the Riddler is doing things with his hand, and Batman notices it, and he tells Lucius, well, he's tapping out a rhythm, the audio is muted, so I don't know what they're saying, but he's giving me symbols to tell me to do something on the computer. And that's really weird, too, because it means that the Riddler was letting him see it on purpose, but to what end, we don't know. And now the Riddler's not there, and he's not dead, so clearly he went with the designer. I don't think they actually name-drop him until the next couple pages, but... Anyway, Batman starts accessing the computer and uses the, uh, the, the riddle that he was given through the finger gestures to access some information on the computer. And he feeds that information to Lucius and he tells him to, you know, to take it into the back computer. And, uh, in the process of that, they wind up locating Deathstroke because of the Riddler. And so he sends, uh, the drones to go attack Deathstroke, which is just a matter of keeping Deathstroke in play. And we jump from there back to, uh, the Riddler hideout, and here's Catwoman carrying in uh, Merlin and Harley dragging Dragon Girl along with her. And he, they're like, oh, the Riddler's not here? And Batman's like, no, I've been looking for you. And of course Catwoman's like, we need to talk. I gotta tell you something. And Batman's like, what are you doing here, Harley? And she's like, oh, I'm here to kill the Joker. And they're both like, okay, that makes sense, I guess. Because they just let her let it go. She's like, there's a whole Joker storyline going on here. And what's been happening is all these villains are being attacked is because of some deal they've made, which Catwoman sort of lays it out for him. She's like, I have to tell you a secret, but first I have to apologize. Apparently all the big bads in Gotham made some deal with a designer, and now that is coming to fruition for whatever reason. Like multiple years before. Yeah, years ago. Like, this is a dude that supposedly been around now, I guess, for, yeah, it doesn't even say how long, but like for freaking ever, it seems like. And we cut from there, her telling him he has to, she has to apologize, to a epilogue where we wind up seeing a voice talking on the phone. And this is the bottom jawline of Punchline, the new Joker tag-along girl. And uh, the real crazy reveal isn't just like her second... Well, like this, is her, this is her first appearance, actually, is the jawline that side shot of her with the binoculars. The real crazy part is that she's on the phone with the Joker, and the Joker tells her he basically has to talk to some people before he can go deal with Batman. And what we see behind him on the wall is a corkboard, and it has pretty much everyone on there with their sacred identities next to them. So there's a Dick Grayson with his Nightwing picture, and his Grayson picture, and a Timothy Drake, and a Bad Barbara Gordon, and a Tim Drake, and they're all done line style to the Bat family, so... Best we can tell, Joker knows who everyone is, which we've suspected that from other stories in the past, but this is like a straight-up-knows-everybody kind of thing, which is crazy, um, you know, as a thing in general. Pretty interesting. Uh, this book is actually getting a third printing, which is supposed to come out here in the next couple weeks, um, or middle of May, so we'll see. Uh, it is in a second print, just because of the first appearances in there. 
But the real grab is the the punchline. Like Designer is a brand new character too, and this is his first appearance. But everyone's hyped on the punchline, so there's that. Uh, as far as a book, like writing wise, it's pretty it's good. Tinian's a good writer. Like I dig it. There's a lot of interesting stuff that happens. A lot of action stuff that happens. Uh, even with a different couple different artists in the middle and at the end, I feel like it all fits pretty good. So like art wise, I'm pretty pleased with it. Score wise, I may give it a three and a half. It's not my favorite Batman run. But at this point, we're just at the beginning of it, so once we get to the designer doing stuff, that could be awesome. I mean, his costume is kind of crazy, but it looks cool, so... And I've been pretty happy with what this group has been doing on the book, so... As a thing, I'm excited to see where it goes and if this punchline pays off or what the deal is. Uh, but yeah, I give it a three and a half. Mr. Josh, what'd you think of the, uh, the Batman? Um... I've seen this, I've, this is like kind of like a recurring story, like story arc that's, I've seen on other books before. It's cool going in the Batman aspect of it. I like it. It's cool. Give it about a four. The art was really fantastic. Um, storytelling was really cool. Um, bringing the new villains pretty neat, taking out old villains. Um, yeah, I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. Right. Well, at this point, just this particular group of stories, we've gotten four new characters. I mean, Mr. Teeth is new, Gunsmith's new, and he's cool. Teeth, I mean, I don't know about that, but he's creepy, so that's cool. Uh, Punchline, not enough of her in the world yet, but at this point, she's the big ticket. And then Designer, I mean, that's four new characters in less than three books, so right. crazy. Tanyan's killing it with new stuff. So, yeah, interesting. So I'm I'm curious to see where they go with like knowing the, I mean everybody knew about Grayson, right? Well, in Forever Evil it was revealed, but whenever he faked his death and became part of Spiral, whatever Spiral Tech erased a lot of that. It yeah, it's it's confusing. But they still knew that it was uh, not everyone. No, like during Forever Evil there was a reveal that was caused by well, the. But if you're anybody, if you're anybody that knows anybody, right? Then you, I wouldn't. No, I mean like the penguin wouldn't know. Riddler maybe, but I don't no, think but so. Like this, this new villain guy. Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, how long he's been around? It's hard to say. Like up until a batch of recent stories, we weren't really sure how much the Joker knew. And, like this lines it out like he just knows everybody, right. which we kind of thought that all the way back because of certain things that happened. And in- again, because how we have not hit that point yet. Which Joker is this? Right, well, that's something, too, because that three-joker thing hasn't come to fruition yet. And now it's going to be even later because of all this COVID stuff. Because there's supposed to be a OGN that comes Anytime. out. Anytime. Yeah, an OGN that comes out to explain that and what the truth is there. So, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, is this... Yeah, it, that's a very good question. Who knows? And do they and, all and, know? I don't know. And which Joker is which Joker? And what's yeah. going on? Blah, Until blah. that comes out. Pretty interesting. It was a good book. I liked... You know, I... My weird thing is, like, Lucius Fox being kind of like an alpha girl. Like, you know, kind of the growing pains of that. But then you're just getting basically, like... You're getting somebody to replace Oracle, but kind of alpha at the same time. It's... It, it's... Kind of dumb. Because well, Alfred did Alfred did other things besides just be like tech support. You know, like he right. was like he was a father figure, but he was also like a surgeon. He's also like he just 
No, he did a lot. There's and so then, much like, that he did for the Bat family. You know, Barbara that. Gordon, like, is mysteriously healed. I mean, they, I mean, they kind of... That's been a fair minute since that happened. I, mean, I know, but they, nev- so. but they never really dealt with it. No, not really. She's like, um, I'm fine. Miracle, yeah. She's like, I was in a wheelchair. Really cool story. Really cool <laughs> character. Now I'm fine. And then I am kind of a teenager again. Yeah, that stuff came later in that storyline, which we've reverted back to her being more the normal age than the uh, weird Burnside stuff. So yeah, she had a rocky path after Gail and Simone, and, and Gail didn't necessarily want to start the story that way, but that's what they gave her, so... Yeah, because all that stuff is... Her being Oracle, though, is super awesome. Oh, yeah, and I that's thought. mostly stuff Gail wrote, too. So. Again, just like the Tim Drake stuff was awesome. <laughs> you know, I could go into, like... Like, who def- who suffered the most in, like, the post-52 kind of thing? Like, every I first saw, like, oh, Batman kind of, like, didn't suffer at all because the things just kind of stayed the same. But I feel like that, like, a lot of their characters suffered the most because... Well, the underlings, they, yeah. They, Bat, Bat's himself, no. But, well, yeah. Even him, to, even him to an extent, kind of, because, like, his characters are him, you know what I mean? Like his, I guess his, so. So, like, they kind of, like, they, they, they watered yeah. down a bunch of his, like, big, like, Storylines, yeah. Well, just big, like, supporting cast. Yeah, no, agreed. I know. Yeah, I know. Better. I know. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, you want to tell me a story about the hotel? Yeah, this one's interesting. It's kind of like a Black Mirror slash uh, Twilight Zone slash... Um, um, I mean, I feel like Outer Limits kind of starts with, like, a guy who's, like, the hotel lobby guy. Um yeah, when he first opens up, it kind of tells from the crypt. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, it's supposed to be a four-part miniseries. Because, I mean, he calls himself Jack. Yeah, it is a issue one of four by uh, Upshot Comics. It is a mature comic, so be careful. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. not kid-appropriate, that's for sure. As a thing. But it's a horror story, too, so I mean, it kind of makes sense. But, but uh, uh, the writer's John Lees, and the artist is uh, Dalibor Talajik. But um starts off with basically this guy named Jack who is like the front guy talking about a piece of art and talking about like how that he hates the piece of art and then it goes into this this hotel's different, but uh you know, a lot of people experience different things here, but uh this woman definitely did need to experience what she went through and then it it shows this uh hotel sign in the middle of nowhere, like Route sixty six hotel and like the um, somebody changed, like, added an extra L at the end of it. So basically, um, it says hell. Like, like they blacked out, like, the O and the T, so it's like hell, next exit. And, uh. It's a, it's a neon sign that the, the two letters are dead on, the other one that someone painted it or scratched it or something. Yeah, and so this woman's, like, kind of, like, on the run, and she comes to this, uh, the Periot Courts Motel. And, uh, comes up to Jack. He's actually there at the front desk and he's like, yeah, I'll give you a room and whatever and walks her to there and uh, she's she's on the run. She starts like she's pregnant and she's on the run from an abusive ex-boyfriend and uh, she's got like 11 and a half hour jump start on him. Yeah, she's been running from him for the whole day and finally has to sleep. And um just like a bunch of flatpacks of her abusing him, but like being like, she, since she's pregnant, like he definitely wants a son. And so she starts dreaming weirdly that like the child is talking to her and they're like talking to each other. And the child is saying like, I'll be here for you. You're here for me. We're in this together. 
And she wakes up and like her left nipple's bleeding, which is really weird. Well, yeah, in the weird dream, it's like she basically starts feeding the baby from the left nipple, but it's and then when she wakes up, it's yeah. At the very last, the very, very, very last thing, it's like, but like very weird. So then she wakes up and like she sees some other people, talks to them. Like this guy comes out of nowhere, and like the wife comes out and she's like, "Yeah, the dude's basically hitting on her." Like, oh, we should spend some time together. And the wife's like, the pregnant woman's like, ah, oh, busted. And the you know the wife's weird, this weird fancy dress and like pearl, like gold necklace and very weird. Yeah, and calls and calls him back into the room. And he's like very. I don't know, like a red t-shirt, well, like a red shirt and crazy yeah, mustache. Yeah, not, not fancy. Yeah. I mean, um, I guess maybe like on the weekend fancy, but not, yeah. So she's back in her room, and then she goes to sleep again. And, like, I need to get out of here soon. She goes back, she, so, but, uh. She just keeps talking about I need, I need to keep moving, but I'm not going to. Has no energy to leave. She's too tired. And so she goes to sleep again, has the same dream of her and the baby, and... The baby's just like, um, yeah, this guy's going to keep following you. Like, like, you know, what would you do if, if we you know we took care of it? And then it, like, flashes to the actual boyfriend driving his car. And, like, he looks in the rearview mirror and, like, looks in his own eyes and freaks out, crashes, and, like, rolls his car. And she's, like, back to her dream where she's, like, with the baby. And it's like, I can never do that for real. But it, would, it felt so good to have that power even in a dream. Like, to be able to, like, basically take this guy out. And she wakes up again, but this time when it's like shows like the real her, she's sleeping, and there's a weird goblin baby thing like crawling on her, like sucking on her. Yeah, it's creepy. Nursing from her. Yeah, it's really disgustingly creepy. Um, she wakes up again. She 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 keeps thinking that she's like scratched herself in her sleep, and that's why her nipples like bleeding. Yeah, she like, feels like she's been scratching herself. And the bed, the, the hotel is dirty enough that maybe it's because of the bed. Is what she initially thinks, but yeah. Then she goes to the bathroom and, well, you know. So then, like, a hand comes out of the wall. The next morning when she's away, she's, like, looking herself in the mirror and the hand comes out of the wall and she's like, such freaking out. And uh, she's like, I'm losing my mind. I gotta get out of here. And then as she's sitting there, she's like, oh, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And she falls back asleep. And then you see the abusive boyfriend, like, st- like he's not dead after the car wreck, but he's stumbling. And it's like, that's weird. No, but all you see is his legs. And his hands and his hands are all bloody because he probably was... Well, he's in a car wreck, so... He's been probably hurt for some reason. And then she's talking to her baby again. And the weird, and she's like, you need me, you need to let me in. And she's like, what are you talking about? And, like, the baby's eyes turn black, and she, like, wakes up for real, and she's like, oh, this isn't good. And then that weird goblin baby's there. It's like, mommy, and she freaks out and starts fighting it, and... He basically tells her, you need to let me inside you. I'll live inside you and eat the other baby. basically take over for the actual baby. It's so crazy, yeah. And she fights it and fights it and fights it, and she, like, chokes it and kills it, basically. And it's like, well, I just wanted to be your baby. And then then she's like, "Uh, please let me be be okay. Let me love you. But the thing's dead. And then this weird explosion that comes out of nowhere and walks outside and, like, this, the, uh... The eclipse happens because, like, we missed a part way at the beginning. Right? Yeah, all this is going like, on during the eclipse. Yeah, they like the hotel guys like, oh, the eclipse. This we have a different view from here, and like the hotel's on fire. And then she sees like the boyfriend and his eyes are just hollowed out, and it's like 
she's like, here, here's your, here's your baby boy and hands like the weird dead goblin to it. And then it ends. So my, my play on it, like I'll give the lead up was really good. Like it could be a lot of cool stuff to it. Like I, I dump it down all the way to two. Like it bugged me like that it ended so poorly. It's like they, they, they fizzled out very quickly. This could have ended way more cool and it, they didn't. Um, that's why it disappointed me so bad. Like, I was like, oh, I was like, this is it. Like, I wonder why, because you told me, you're like, eh, when, right. you read, when you read it. But like, when I started reading, I was like, this is actually really good. I'm like, this is good. This is good. This is good. Oh. And it just wasn't. Like, the end of it was like, that's nah, stupid. Yeah. Score wise, I, I fall in the same place with you. I think it's very possible that we we'll end up finding out that as the other four issues deal with, because in the part of the lead up, the, hotel owner or the guy at the front desk mentions to us that there's four rooms. They're not a big hotel. So there's four issues, four rooms. I have a feeling that the other stories might lead to where that explosion actually came from. So by the time you get to the end of it, like four rooms, the movie, how everything fits together from different angles, I think that's what's going to happen with this. Maybe the Does, explode, that's why the explosion will be ex- explained. I think so. Now, granted, but, until we get there, but it's again, hard to she say. like chokes this weird goblin baby oh, thing. Oh, that's out, crazy! And then like just hands it to like her blind like. Well, his eyes were clearly taken out by the goblin because we see the eyes in the trash right. later. So like as a thing, the goblin somehow managed to get into his back seat, and like she saw it from weird dream. So like that stuff, it's all pretty crazy. But just like tells from the crypt, your endings are usually like a short ending, so it's got a similar idea. But as a one issue by itself, yeah, it it doesn't quite land 100%. I mean, the art's okay. The story is, is, is interesting. But the lead-off at the very end is kind of short-lived. So unless the other two stories pick up, or the other three stories pick up and explain all that stuff, it's hard to say if they're all just going to be a batch of one-shot horror stories, which there was a different book that happened before. Oh, no, the eyes are in the toilet. Oh, is that what they were in? Yeah. I so like, didn't remember that. Basically, so, yeah. they, they're eaten by her. Oh, that's gross. Or, or somebody in there in the toilet. Yeah. It, like, it flushes and they pop up and... Yeah, see, I, like, I, I didn't I didn't read it that way properly. Like, it's kind of... The art is good in some points, and other times, like, ah. So, that part, right. I was like, yeah, but the eyes are in the toilet. Gross. Which is like, yeah. It's even more... That's why it's it's, it's a mature comic. Oh, yeah, for sure. Not, not like in an overly ridiculous way. I mean, this no. is like something that'd be on like a radar movie, but... Right. It's not it's not, it's not crazy, like, crossed extreme. It's... Eh. I can, I can see that. it being a good thing. It's just like... The end was just like... Wah, wah, wah. Yeah, like that's what like, I was telling you. Like, it just kind of just fizzles real quick. Like... I think... I think once we get... If it does connect together and it winds up being like a four room scenario, I think the group of them together will be fine. Uh, there's another book series that happened, I don't know, maybe two years ago called The Ablo House. And The Ablo House was definitely Tales from the Crypty. And the stories weren't built to connect together. If this winds up being that, then it, it did not succeed the same way as The Ablo House did. Um, but for first issue, like I said, it, it, the ending is a little flat for a first issue. Um, the hook I the idea is that, well, there's three more rooms, so how crazy can this thing get? So yeah, I'm interested enough to look at that second issue, but time-wise, again, now that we're in the COVID world, who knows when that's going to be. And they're a smaller, newer company, and they, they have a bunch of good names working on stuff, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where it goes. But yeah, I, this one, I give it a two. So from there, we'll move on to a couple of flashback issues. Yeah. And do some, uh, we'll do the True Believers Empire She-Hulk Savage She-Hulk number one. 
which is actually She-Hulk number one from 1980. Um, so classic cover, you know, it's a 1980s book. This is actually written by Stan Lee. Uh, as far as art is John Bishima, who was fantastic. Uh, as far as books are concerned, we think classic comics, Bishima was one of the better artists. There's a whole handful of them that were awesome, but yeah. Uh, story-wise, when we first open up, it's the first issue for Savage Seahulk, and we join Bruce Banner. And there's some, like, backlog of talking about how he's had to use a bunch of different names and hide from the cops and hide from the army, and he's having this inner monologue, and he's in L.A., and uh, he needs to find a place to lay low, and, well, it turns out his cousin, who he hasn't seen since she was a kid, happens to live in L.A., and now she's all grown up, and she's a lawyer. He's like, I can probably hang out with her, I can probably hide with her, and get a place to lay low for a minute. And so he decides to go visit her. And uh, when she first shows up, she's super excited to see him, and is like, oh, and she remembers from when she was a kid, she used to call him Doc. Which I, the story tells us that she's the only one ever called him that. And so for her, it was a nickname for him when they were when they were younger, and he used to call her Little little Jennifer, I think is what he called her. Anyway, so she's super excited to see him, and asking, him, oh, how's things been going? What's been going on? And he's like, well... That's kind of a slippery slope, and he basically gives her a backstory of how he became the Hulk. And, you know, this version is the backstory where the scientist, the, well, it's one of the earlier backstories, so it's where, in the gamma testing, he wound up saving a kid out in the field that was going to get blown up, and they were supposed to stop the event, but his partner, who was an evil scientist, went ahead and did it anyway, and now he's the Hulk. And she's like, oh, that's crazy. Like, I, if you want to hang out, I guess we, you know, you can come with me. Um... And so they leave the office, they're going to go back to her house, and he asks her what she's been doing. She's like, oh, I've got this one um, hood that I'm representing, because she's a criminal lawyer, so she's defending this particular thug, who is being framed for a murder he didn't commit. She believes she knows who the murderer is, and while she's explaining all that to Bruce, we wind up seeing a couple guys watching, and they're both like, oh, she's got somebody with her, that's alright, let's just follow her and we'll get her taken care of. And they're clearly thug criminal guys. And so it turns out the mobster that she's trying to keep this guy from going to jail for, because a mobster guy killed one of his guards and then framed this dude because he wants to get rid of him. And she tells Bruce, in order to catch him, I put a, a lead out there in the world that I found some, some hidden information that'll prove that he did it. And that'll, we'll just see what that does and make him hot in the, hot in the seat so she can try to get her client off. And uh, when they get to her house, she gets out and uh, the two thugs are like, oh, get her now. And so they shoot at her and banner in the process of trying to save her, winds up using a hose to spray the guys down and grabs her, picks her up, and carries her inside, and they shoot a couple more times, and they decide to get out of there because they fire too many bullets, and it's too loud, and we gotta get out of here. And so they they take off, and Bruce is carrying her around, and he's like, oh, she's lost a lot of blood, I gotta do something to help her. And he looks across the street and sees that the house next door has, like, a a medical symbol on it, so apparently whoever lives there is a doctor. And so he just assumes they must have doctor equipment inside. Well, of course they do, because it's convenient. Um, this is an early 80s comic, so... Anyway, so he basically breaks into the dude's house, finds the, what he would need to, to try to give her a transfusion, and does exactly that. He gives her a transfusion of his blood into her. And he mentions that they have the same blood type, and he remembered that, and so... In theory, it could work. It does never show him stopping the bleeding, or clotting it, so that's kind of questionable. But, you know, whatever. So, uh, he calls for an ambulance. And, of course, the cops show up and want to ask him a bunch of questions. And he's like, oh, yeah, I don't have any ID. Which, that makes them all uneasy. And they're like, oh, you're going to have to hang around a little bit, buddy. You, you might be a suspect. 
And as soon as he hears the suspect word, he's like, I gotta get out of here. So, uh, in the process of getting upset about that, he turns sort of into the Hulk and then breaks out and leaves. And he starts reading the paper, trying to see, you know, what, if what's found out about, if there's anything in the paper about her. And it says, oh, Jennifer Walters admitted to be recovered in the hospital. And he's like, oh, okay, she's fine. So, I better get out of here, because if the cops catch me again, they're going to want to question me, and they're going to know who I am, and he's going to cause a lot more problems. It's really too bad that I have the bail on her this way, but at least I managed to get her not dead or whatever. So he takes off. And so we join her back at the hospital, and she's in there waiting for her medicine. She's like, oh, man, it was so crazy that I don't know why Bruce took off. Like, I don't, you know, I wish I could help him, blah, 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 blah. And the two guns that were going to shoot her before show up dressed as uh, M.E.'s, to give her her medicine, which for them is chloroform and death. And in the process of trying to kill her, well, it turns out that transfusion affected her, and she turns into the She-Hulk. And uh, rules the guys pretty good, chases them out of the building, follows them down the stairway. They run They run into an elevator, and she winds up breaking the door of the elevator open, pulling the elevator up by its cables. Um, they manage to get out of the elevator on a different floor and run some more. Eventually, she chases them all the way outside and winds up flattening all their tires with a giant, um, like, a lamppost by throwing at the car. And about that time, of course, the cops have been have been made aware of the situation. They show up and get a hold of the goons, and while she's shaking one of them down, he's like, oh, she starts questioning him about, like, who, who are you here to murder, and what, what were you trying to do, and... So he basically rats out his own boss while she's asking these questions in front of the cops in a very aggressive way. I mean, she's a She-Hulk, so it's scary, I'm sure. She looks at the cops, she's like, you heard that, right? And the cop's like, oh yeah, we need you to stay here, lady. And of course she's not about that, so she takes off. And in the process of going back to her hospital room, she starts to change back. And eventually she turns full-on back into just regular, just regular herself, uh, Jen- Jennifer Walters. And uh, she gets back into her room, and she looks at it, and she's like, oh, my room's wreck. I guess I'll go in the next room and just hang out and see what happens. Eventually, a nurse shows up, and she's like, oh, what are you doing in this room? She's like, oh, I heard all the yelling, so I got afraid. I moved to this room so I'd be safe. She's like, oh, yeah, you won't believe it. This crazy, savage she-woman destroyed everything. She's a crazy monster. And then uh, we get some inner monologue for Jennifer being like, you know what? From now on, whatever Jennifer can't handle, the she-hulk lander will handle. That's basically where it wraps up. So, I mean, it's an old-school comic. It's really pretty cool, and since she's supposedly getting her own show on Disney+, Plus, I thought it'd be an interesting book to sort of talk about. And as far as, like, a thing, the transfusion stuff, as far as being a doctor, I mean, Bruce could have done it, so that's fine. Um, it's still a fun, cool old book. Uh, awesome artist. As far as, like, old-school books are concerned, I'd say it's worth a pick-up just because it's fun. I mean, it's a dollar book, so the originals are a lot more expensive than that. Um, decent grade, you're looking about 200 bucks. Yeah. Um, low grade, you're looking about 50. Upper grade, you're looking about 1,000. So. It's only going to get worse with the show happening, so. And, yeah, but it also depends on, like, the grades, how many are available, because this is the first appearance of her in general, so. Right. Yeah, this is an <clears throat> origin story and first appearance in the same book. Which is, like, pretty common then. I mean, very, very rarely did you, like, one, like, small appearance somewhere and then, like, another. No, no, no. I mean, with Wolverine, it was a little bit different. But this time frame, like, Miss Marvel's the same way. Carol Danvers' first appearance is different, but as Miss Marvel, it was a Miss Marvel number one. So, it just depends what character it was, but yeah, it wasn't uncommon as far as, like, a first appearance kind of thing. I think that's why they did it. Like, the next one that we talk about, there's a lot of number one 
in, like a lot of interesting things in it. So, oh yeah. Um, so a follow-up book to that would be the uh, Justice League America. Well, it's just Justice just League. Just Justice League number one. Um, but this is the nineteen eighty-seven Justice League. So, which, which would uh, eventually turn to Justice League International. Right. Things cool about this book. Once we get to the end, we can talk what's cool about it for this thing. But yeah, this is the one with Guy Gardner. So it's it's got some pretty cool like movie talk references and guy was a pretty big Sylvester Stallone fan and at the time we're talking Rambo had come out and Rocky had come out but Sly wasn't revered the way he is now he was famous but he was he was looked at the same way and guys like oh I'm be like Sylvester Stallone and be all macho and kind of a jerk well this is like kind of a a, a reboot so you got like Mr. Miracle uh, Black Canary John Johns Martian Manhunter Batman Blue Beetle um, Doctor Fate and Guy Gardner, um, Doctor Light, the girl Doctor Light, the female Doctor Light, and then you have a uh, Captain Marvel slash Shazam, right? But interesting lineup, very interesting lineup. I mean, pretty cool thing. Oh, um, yeah, at the time we just had the the A list Justice League it had a big event thing happen that caused them to be broken up. So that's why we're at a rebuilding stage and trying to build this new Justice League, and people weren't real happy with the Justice League in general, view-wise of superheroes. Not necessarily individuals like Superman, but the, them as a team, the world wasn't so sure about. But yeah, when it opens up, we got Guy Gardner basically sitting in, in the building, talking about how he's going to lay down the law to everybody, which, Guy is, he's just such a jerk, he's awesome. He's so funny. Uh, I mean, he was a, I mean, he was around before that, but he's kind of... Well, it's not his first appearance or anything. All these characters existed in other books. I mean, none of these are first appearances for any of them, um, as far as characters are concerned. I mean, Guy had been around, and he's aware of the other Lanterns. He's just like, I'm the best Lantern. It doesn't matter about the other guys. You guys got the best one. So what's the year on this? Uh, 87. So... This is the first Justice League book after Crisis Infinite on uh, Infinite Earth. So this is like probably why this re the like this reissue came out. That and the the, the bad guy for the book is Maxwell Lord. Yeah, it's, it's his first appearance because and he's in uh, Wonder Woman eighty four, right? Which, the is, Wonder Woman which would have already been out at this point. Yeah, it would have dropped. Uh, no, so, no, no. It was gonna. Yeah, yeah. It was gonna. Uh, shoot. I think it would be this week actually. Actually, for the original date, because uh, it was it was it was April release, and then no. May was going to be Black Widow. No, no, it was what was July. Time wise, shoot, I feel like it's July for Wonder Woman. It was originally July. I don't think that's still the truth, because end of April, beginning of May was going to be Black Widow, and now that's been moved to like October, which makes a lot of sense. Because weirdly, in my notes um, from our other podcast, I don't have Wonder Woman. Oh, on the list? Yeah. Well, I feel like they moved Black Widow to, Widow to the winter, which makes sense because she's in Russia, and I think that makes sense. It was supposed to be June 4th. There you go. So, this so com- it was coming out. Coming up. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that's why this book's in there, because of that. Both, probably. Plus, they also did the WB crossover, Crisis on Infinite Earths. They did. Which is kind of like, uh, this has kind of something to do with it a little bit. Timeline-wise, they, they, they lined up sort of, yeah. But, um... Yeah, next character shows up Black Canary, and he's in her blue and black uniform, which I don't really feel like she wore a lot, but it's very different than what we normally think of for her. Well, 
for now it's normal, but it's not for then. But you get you get Guy Garner as a Green Lantern, and for like I guess a lot of people for a long time, people are like wait Guy Garner was a Green Lantern because for a while he had a yellow lantern ring. Oh yeah, well yeah. I mean now he's just known for being a Green Lantern, just a right, just a badass like just like his follows on rules, crazy like kind of like a. What's what's his name's from Lethal Weapon, like uh, Mel Gibson's character? Riggs is the character you're thinking of. Well, he just kind of has that like attitude, like Riggs yeah. does. Like he's like he just like plays by his own rules, kind of like. But I mean, like Green Lanterns are a cop. If you're in the new Green Lantern series, he's like, I'm, I, or even like in the annual. We uh, did we do the annual or did we talk no, about we it? Did the we probably talked about it? We did the Black Star books. We, we did talk about the issue. No, no, we did. In a couple of issues ago, yeah, we, did, we did. We did the that weird annual that they came out like in like. Like Hal's just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not a superhero. I'm just a cop. Right. You know, it was like, is that weird annual with like the, the nieces and nephews animal. and stuff? And so it's just like, it's kind of like, guy has that same attitude. He's like, he's not. He, I mean, in in this currently time, this cur- time frame, he he still he still thinks of himself as like bigger bigger than that. But like currently, like guy is just like, I'm just a cop. He's just right. like, he just has that like. Where um, where he's now in modern comics, he's got a different. He's grown up. A little but bit. it's it's grown, but then come down, but then grown, and like, but it's never like it's not like drastically different. Like that, no, I mean, that weird warrior phase was odd, but like other than that, like yeah. for a while he didn't have any powers. He just like ran a bar, but like so, but guy is like this kind of like put him in like the spotlight. Oh yeah, he definitely was going to advertise himself as the leader of the group, and basically sets himself up to try to be that, which is what a lot of the book goes over in the first half. Because so he had everybody introduced, and everybody shows up, and guy's like, "All right, everybody, I'm going to be the boss." And then Batman shows up after all of them are fighting over who's in charge. And of course, who's in charge? Batman's in charge. That's how that works. And he's like the last to arrive, obviously, right. which is like super crazy because it's like Batman's usually early. But I mean, he's he's with Doctor Fate in this one. Like he shows up and he's just like talking to Doctor Fate about like what's going on and stuff, and like he doesn't think much of it. But like he comes in, and, like everybody's fighting. It's a big ordeal. And what's weird is that like Captain Marvel's like involved in it like Captain Marvel's basically Billy Bastion but like the Boy Scout and he's just like oh my uh. well guy did hit him so and, but Martian Manhunter too like those are two like those are those yeah. are two heavy hitters they are powerhouse wise there's very few people that like can kind of go toe to toe with Superman I'm not saying they would be Superman ultimately right but there's two people who ultimately could go toe to toe with Superman strength wise yeah. Our Martian Manhunter and Captain Marvel, and they're both just, like, arguing with Guy Gardner. Like, no offense to Guy Gardner. Like, he's a rad character. He's been a Red Lantern. Yeah. He's been a Green Lantern. He's been a Yellow Lantern. He's been a lot of things. He's been a warrior. Well, but, yeah. like... <laughs> yeah. Like, the warrior, though. Like, remember yeah, yeah no, war- I know. As shortly after his Yellow Lantern phase, which it wasn't... Well, a, it wasn't lost, a Yellow Lantern ring, but... But he lost the ring. He did. Because it, it was Sinestro's ring. Yeah, he took it from Sinestro before there was a core, before the whole Yellow Lanterns were what but they were. Like, but yeah, the warrior phase is weird. But then, but even then, like, you know, he's... I mean, he knows a lot of stuff, but again, he's still ultimately just a dude. Right. He's just an earthling. Like, I feel and like... like and, and like Captain Marvel is like tussling with him. Yeah, I I feel like Martian Manor more likely was just pulling his punches, but fight wise, it lines it up weird. And power level wise, I mean, yeah, guy's got the ring and he can use the ring. I feel like this goes back to the point, time when like I don't think they gave Martian Manor the credit he deserved. No, yeah, before they really like showed how powerful John could be. Right, it's like man, this guy's like uh, he's a thing. Right. 
Yeah, it is a little... It's got to be prior to all that, and there's no way it couldn't be. So but yeah, as they're tussling, Dr. Fate's like, oh, you want, you want me to stop this? I can just do some magic, and Batman's like, no, no. And he just, like, walks through the group and stops and it. And I have, I have this actual book, like, the actual original book. Right. In, like, really, really good condition. So, like, I was like, oh, man, I, I was, like, falling back. I was like, oh, man, I remember this, I remember this. And I thought that the infamous scene was in this book, and it's not. Oh, the punch-out? No. Yeah, but it's not. It's like I think it's, like, three. Yeah, it's a few issues after this one. Where Batman just, like, knocks <laughs> Guy, Garn- no. Guy Garner the F out. He just, like, he's just talking trash, talking trash, talking trash, and Batman just punches him, and it's like, and everybody's like, oh. Yeah. No, and that's and that's what people are like. Yeah, Batman's no joke, right? He's the, yeah, I mean, he just doesn't care. And I thought I was like, oh, we're leading up to this already. Like this is all in one book. <laughs> I was like, no, yeah, it's not in this book. But like, there's a lot of cool things that happen in this book. So right. And Maxwell Lord debuts, and he, you know, he kind of takes on like the Charlie from Charlie's Angels like role in Justice League International. Yeah, eventually he runs around as a good guy for a little while, sort of. Ish, but he's, he's al- he was always kind of a bad always guy. Always a corrupt businessman doing shady crap from behind the scenes, which this whole thing is set up to be a shady incident. Like, the first call they get is because of problem, and the problem is United Nations has been kidnapped by a bunch of thugs and, like, terrorists. And I didn't remember Dr. Light was, like, a council person for some country. So I don't know what her deal is. Like, I never really remembered why she was there. But it seems like she must be a sitting delegate for some state. And that her other job is being Dr. Light as a superhero. Which is kind of crazy. I didn't remember any of that. But I don't guess I don't know her enough to understand why that is. But yeah, they, they've taken the United Nations hostage or whatever. And so the uh, Justice League decides they're going to go fix it. And of course Batman's like, you guys do what I tell you. And Guy Garner the entire time is fighting him. Because that's what Guy does. He's Because he's Guy Garner. But when that all wraps itself up, like, as a thing, Batman outwits, well, he uses all the different players in a way that save all the people. He outwits the bad guy that had the bomb on his chest. Basically makes the guy commit suicide, which is crazy. It's a little rough. Um, the guy's got a bomb wired up to his chest, and he's like, if, this goes, if I die, this will go off. And Batman's like, okay, everybody get the people out of here. You can stay, it's cool. And then the guy basically shoots himself in the head, but the bomb never goes off. And it turns out it's because Maxwell Lord kept part of the bomb, which is completely messed up. And the whole time Maxwell's watching the, like all the newscasts about what's happening, and he's like, huh, that's interesting. It's just crazy. Pretty good first issue, pretty good setup. Interesting. And like there's a lot of cool like like you said, there's iconic scenes that have come in this series. And, like, Maxwell Lord eventually becoming the huge villain that he was. It's just the starting of that. And it's it's pretty cool. And if you're at this point listening and you're not sure, like, like Maxwell Lord, yeah, he's going to be in Room 84. Like, he's this guy and this thing. Well, he shoots Ted Cord in the face and kills him, like, at one point. And it kind of sets off the entire, like, in, like Final Crisis thing. Yeah. Like, it's kind of, well, Infinite Crisis started first. It's kind of, like, right after that, like... There's a whole handful of things he's responsible for. I mean, it's kind of like the, the the shot heard around the world, like the the assassination of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, that kind of like thing. Like it's he he becomes this whole thing, and like and we like at one point had this amazing theory that weirdly is brilliant, and it never kind of came to fruition of like all these things that like like the 
that happened after that were like all just in Ted Cord's like coma brain. Would have been awesome. As far as a thing, well, see, Ted Cord managed to do a lot of stuff actually. One of those things is get punched unconscious by Doomsday. And if you're going to pick a restart point, DC, you could just have him wake up from his coma, and everything we've seen since the punch out has been in his Not coma. The punch dream. out, the, sh- the shot from Maxwell Lord. I thought no, I thought we were talking about no. when he got punched out by Doomsday. No, I don't think the shot would work too. Either way, the gunshot the Maxwell Lord shoots him in the head, right? And like, and then he wakes up from the coma from that, and like everything that happened post that, because that's when like Infinite Crisis happens. That's when like oh, yeah. New Fifty Two, all that stuff starts from that point forward. Sure. Like, the New 52 came directly after all that stuff. Like, Flashpoint, all that stuff. No, the New 52 didn't, but... Yeah. It's all all right after that stuff. Flashpoint happened first, but yeah. Yeah, but, like, it all comes right after that. Sure. As far as a a place, you could use Ted Core to restart the universe from multiple spots, which is crazy. Which eventually... Does Ted Kord just become like the watcher of the DC universe? If he... he, No. Because he's kind of... (laughs) He's always in those weird spots, He is, but... Where he is now, he's alive again, but he's not cool Ted Cord. He's just businessman Ted Cord that does science things for the Blue Beetle, who's Jaime Reyes. So it's not nearly the same, like at all. Until he's like, oh, wait a minute. I remember I used to be a Blue Beetle. Which might, he- might happen. Yeah. Maybe. Does like Tim Drake stuff, like, you know what I mean? Like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ted's had a rocky, rocky road. Guy Garner's just like, remember when we were friends and we were like having fun doing good stuff? It'd be hilarious if he's like, you remember when I was the Justice League? He's like, no, hilarious. that's weird. He's like, yeah, that blue be- that flying blue beetle bug, like, car thing. <laughs> Which is, his beetle, beetle mobile is awesome. Right. There's great. And he's like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, you, you were like a whole thing. And then, like, Maxwell shot you in the head, and he's just like, is that why my brain hurts? <laughs> now, the artist who was on this book was Kevin McGuire. And it was written by Griffin and uh, M.J. Dematis. So, like, those are the names that would be the people who made this thing. But as far as, like, a series of books, it was really pretty fun. And it gave you a totally different version of the Justice League with totally different characters. And the amount of weird stuff they had to go down was really pretty cool. So, as far as characters lost to time, I mean, at this point, Ted Cord lands in a weird place. So, that's unfortunate. But yeah, as a series of books, I, I always like that series and like the whole Booster Gold, or not Booster Gold, the whole uh, Batman punch out thing is awesome. At the time, everybody was just like, that's a really weak Justice League team, but looking at it now, like, it's a very strong Justice League team. Like, well, considering the likes of Shazam and Martian Manhunter, you got, and Dr. Ba- Fate, you got Batman gosh. leading it, you got Dr. Fate as your magic, you got like Blue Beetle and. Like, Black Canary is your, like, espionage aspect of it. You got, like, your powerhouses in, like, Miss, or Captain Marvel and, you know, um, Marshman Hunter. And then you got your, your power ring with, with Guy. And then, you know, like, Dr. Light. And then, like, you got, like, Mr. Miracle's weird, like, imp, like, sidekick. Wow. This is, it's his business manager, which I, dude, I feel like other things happen with him, but. For, Me too. I'm not sure what he's. I all couldn't about, tell right? you what though, because like the only thing I remember him really being was his manager. He's like Shmi from like Hook. Yeah, yeah it's kind of what, yeah. Jokes about him being a dwarf in there too, which is pretty funny. But weirdly, it's a pretty strong team now. Right. Comparatively, what's happened and what their power sets are currently, yeah, it's it's a pretty beefy team actually. Back then, they all didn't have as much under their belts, I guess. And like you said, Mark Manhunter had to come into his own, so. 
as a thing where they land in the world then versus now was very different. Because multiple times Superman says, like, this one person that's like, can challenge me, it's Martian Manhunter. Oh, yeah. And yet nobody's written that book yet. Because John's just so passive. No, but they haven't written a book where, like, someone needs to take on Superman because it just getting, has gotten too crazy. And John's the one has to step up and, like, as a or like a best friend, kind of be like, have to like shut him down. Like, like that's a weird story that's never been written. Hmm. Never, nobody they do, but they don't. Like, they got injustice for like Superman's written as evil. I guess I I guess the the reason I see that is because if he's heaving on him, the Martians weaken the fire. So that would maybe be why heat vision, maybe. But that's what I'm saying. He can turn himself like. Yeah, but he's still, even if he changes, he's still weak to fire, regardless of what he makes his density. He's weak to fire, not heat vision, mm-hmm. no, different. Mm-hmm. Could be a gray line there, I guess. I don't know, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know, just one of those things, like, it's just, like, kind of interesting. Sure. Like, like a book that would be, like, what happens in some, like, somebody finally takes over Superman's brain, and, like, who has to take him down, like, what it would take. Like, mm-hmm. you got Shazam, you got Batman. I mean, Batman could do it with, like, the kryptonite bullet that he has, because, you know. The ring. Because Cal gave it to him. He was like, hey, this is, like, in case. Well, he's got the bullet, and he's got the ring, so. Batman has multiple ways to try to stop Superman, if he had to. But again. It'd still be cool to see a Martian Manor story. How how Yellow Sun charges, because sometimes, like, the kryptonite takes him into a. To do anything? Yeah. Yeah, And there's not enough of it, then it's a problem, And if he's in a suit of any kind. Yeah. Kryptonite doesn't do anything because it has to be radiation. So it's just like, if he's in some sort of like... If he's in like a battle armor with a helmet. Right. It wouldn't do much of anything. I know. Just, it's interesting. Yeah. It's a story that we haven't seen yet. <laughs> it's a good throwback, man. It's a good book. Yeah. It, it came really fun, like, just as the international, like, well, they were like set up in a shopping mall, like that. Right. Or a, a, like a... A strip mall. Yep. So funny. Like, they had fire and fire ice. Fire and ice around there, yeah. There were some cool stories that came out of that stuff that happened later. Brilliant stuff, man. That's yeah. good stuff. Like, really good. Real fun. But it, and it led to a lot. Like, those characters became very, very pivotal la- later on. Like, a whole bunch of them did, yeah. Like, Maxwell Lord was, like, huge later on. Oh, yeah. He's a big deal. Like, really big deal for a minute. Yeah. Crazy nonsense. All right. Well, what'd you learn today, Josh? You don't like the color of my pants? That's definitely true. Clown pants. I can't understand what's going on. Uh, that's that's what you learned today. So what I learned today? You don't have any tolerance. You need to learn it. You need to learn some mm-hmm. tolerance. Depending for your pants, that's probably true. It's in life in general, man. Nah, I tolerate a lot of things. You don't tolerate anything. That's not true. <laughs> they hate your pants. <laughs> that's not and what they, they said. And then you spit on me. I didn't spit on anybody. It, it, I do talk it, in my eyes, like, so that's not true. <laughs> It's so not true. You're like, so you're, not you're like, true. You're like one of those llamas. You're like, like you know when you tell a llama what to do and it just like doesn't like you and it spits on you. Oh yeah. You're like you're the llama of this. Sure. <laughs> uh, well, as far as books to watch, I mean, there's not a whole lot of new stuff that's actually dropping because you not know, yet. The world's not really moving. Eventually, Batman number eighty nine or no number ninety two gonna be a big deal. Punchline cover. Supposed to have the fight between her and Harley. So. I guess watch for that. I mean, they hyped it up so much that I'm surprised that I'm not, that I'm not rushing the print, but eventually we'll get things sorted out and books will start showing up and, and the things will either bounce out and there'll be a better marketplace or they won't. I'm still so, stoked on the Young Justice book. Oh yeah, Young Justice is great. Um, if you didn't listen to the last, last, the last episode, that's all about Young Justice. You definitely should. 
Um, as far as, uh, X-Men books, most X-Books have been pretty good, but I say check out Marauders, because I like it a lot. Uh, X-Force has been really strong, too. Um, as far as X-Books are concerned. Who's on the X-Force team right now? Yeah, the cast right now for it, it's Domino, uh, Jean Grey, Sage, Beast, Wolverine, Kid Omega, um, Quantum Cord, or Quantum, sorry, Quantum Choir, that's his name. Colossus, and then uh, Black Tom, of all people. Which is really weird, but it's been alright. It's like there's a bad guy in every team. That seems like a weak team. Um, It's been a pretty good story. Like, mm. Domino kills it, man. And Jean's, Jean and Quantum are both super powerful. I mean, they're both basically the same power level. So, as far as bruises are concerned, I mean, Wolverine's popular. Domino had all this, with all his Zazzy Beat stuff probably helped, because she's awesome. And then she had the Gail Simone series, the two Gail Simone series prior to all this. They were pretty good, too. But writer-wise, it's been a pretty strong story. As far yeah. as team, I mean... It's not a weak team, though. Yeah. Compared to what? Coming, coming compared to Wolverine, Deadpool, Psylocke. Well, Uncanny X-Force is hard to beat. <laughs> that series, when that stuff happened, Rick Renders Uncanny or, X-Force Or X-Force is in, like... Um, Havoc and um, Polaris and how's X Factor? Mm, they're X Force yeah. for a minute. X Factor. So then, like, who is there's the X Force before that? Then well, the original X Force was Domino, Cable, Shatterstar. Okay, so that one's better than them too. <laughs> that just answers. That just like it's even better. So there you oh, go. Oh just be gosh. like, it's like it's crazy. That's the original like, group. <laughs> you know, like the 1995 Bulls are like. Pretty good, but then like the ninety three, like oh, it's Michael Jordan show. Okay, they're even better. Never mind. <laughs> you know what I mean, so it's just like yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. comparatively different times, different characters. As a thing, I like Colossus. I don't. I just don't see him. I I don't see him as an X Force character. Um, the Black Tom thing's weird. I don't. I never. I, I never liked him at all. It's like oh, he's a tree. Yeah. The way they use him is it's weird because like every team has a bad guy until we get to Hellions, which is has. Sort of two good guys, and the rest of them are bad guys, which is weird. Yeah, it's crazy. But I'd I mean, say that one's worth reading. I mean, that's why I, that's kind of like the Marauders book. I think I was just like, it's kind of yeah, mixed match of well, all of them are mixed match of good bads, but Hellions is definitely more bads than goods, which is also weird. Some are even that cool. Eh. Oh, for the Hellions, yeah, they're not. A couple more A list characters. That's true. I mean, we haven't seen Wild Child in a fair minute. And he's like a small version of Sabretooth. Yeah, but what, when did he come into the normal universe? Uh, well, he was around during X... Uh, he's always been part of X-Factor. No, sorry, Alpha Flight. He was part of Alpha Flight. The Rage Monster mm. part didn't happen until after Age of Apocalypse. And after Age of Apocalypse, when he changed... He, 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 he was pre-Age of Apocalypse? He was. Are you sure? Absolutely positive. He just didn't look that way. He didn't look that way until after Age of Apocalypse. After Age of Apocalypse is when he started looking feral and crazy. Hmm. Yeah, definitely a weird thing shift-wise for him. But yeah, uh, other than that, check out all of our other social media stuffs. Uh, we, like I said, we have the Axe Figure Deconstruction on the uh, Top 5 Comics Podcast YouTube channel. We have some episodes on there, too, if you prefer using YouTube. But the new one of those drops uh, today. So there's six of those that you can watch if you... Want to watch stuff? Yeah, so if you're listening to this, it's already out. So we have six episodes out. Um, check that out at, at 
action figure deconstruction on all social media platforms. Um, the link will be in whatever bio that there is. Sure. Um, if you want to, if you're listening to this, you're obviously you know that at or not at, but top five comics podcast.com is where you can find anything and everything for this universe. Um, we do have, um, a more adult themed podcast about movies and just movies in general and craziness about that. Like directors, um, actors, whatnot, actors, whatever called never been at, uh, never been on podcast. Like you can find that on again, top five, top five comics podcast.com or just at never been done podcast in general. Yeah, if you just Google it, you'll find platforms for it. Spotify, um, everything just like, just like this show. Um, they're everywhere on social medias, especially Instagram is kind of where we're putting our focus because it's probably the better of the social medias platforms right now. I mean, none of them are amazing, but they're all just part of the deal, man. Right. But, uh, I am at Wendell W I N D L E 24 and CBS is at top five comics CBS. That's T O P the number five and then comics and then CBS. Check out all those things. Support us. Help us out. All you got to do is watch it, share it, and like it. Like Those are things that you can do to help us out. And we don't want to ask you for anything else than that. And we appreciate all that stuff. Obviously, you're listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast right now. So um, any of the this episode and then all previous episodes, share and like them, please, because it's a big deal. Definitely helps out any followers. Yep. It's a big deal. And, you know, like we try to do our best. Like We try to share some fun things with you guys, but also like... There's some big things going on in the comic world right now, and it's like it's a really massive change, and we're not sure where things are going. So, like, we're gonna be here. I mean, I've I've become a less than like just a like a guest host, but more of just like a sidekick to CBS right now. But like, there's a lot of crazy things going on, and we're gonna try and be here for you guys, and because we're fans too. Like, that's why we do this. I don't I don't do this any for any other reason that I love to read comics, and so. We're going to be here for you guys and be here, like, for that situation. And, like, if you have questions, send us send us a message on social sure. media. And we'll try to answer it if we have an answer to it. And, uh, you know, CBS tries to keep up day-to-day. Like, everything changes daily. And he try he tries to keep up on it. It's a very difficult situation. So, you know, give give him a break to an extent. But, like, we, we're going to try to do our best. To make things as simple for you guys as possible, and like we love, we love the art, we love the storytelling, we love, we love all those things, and that's what it's all about. Ultimately, like it's not about like the big corporations making money; it's about us and like enjoying the art, and like just that's how the creators feel too. Right, community, less of a, less of a machine, more of a community. Exactly. So you know, stick together, help each other out, like pick each other up. It's a big deal. So. Yep, yep. Um, but the bigger one that we, we're real, like the thing that we're really having a lot of fun with right now is the action figure deconstruction. Oh so yeah, check some of those. Really, out. like we're just getting figures that are really fun, like really cool. We have one coming out um, next week that's just like hilarious, but it's a super fun figure though too. Oh, it's yeah. so crazy. So this week we have the White Power Ranger from uh, Saban's Power Rangers Lightning Collection, and I mean, it's this is Wave One. They did like they're up to like Wave. Way four is supposedly come out soon, but if you like Power Rangers, if you like fun action figures, if you want some for your kids, like really, check it out. It's it's cool stuff. So anyway, check it out, and like we do a really good breakdown. CBS like does some fun stuff with the the camera work on this one. It's really funny. Like oh, the Power Ranger one. Yeah, yeah it's got a pretty good montage. Pretty neat. We have an, a third guest host that appears periodically when he decides to and mess up our day and just be a ridiculous <laughs> jerk. 
but uh, his name's Captain, so he shows up periodically. If you pick, if you see him, send us a message and be like, "Hey, I saw him in this episode." And then uh, as soon as we get stickers, we'll like we'll send you guys some stickers in the mail. So because uh, we have some really cool people working on and some stickers for us. More than a friend. She's she's really rad, and I think she's a, quite amazing. Her name's Amanda, and she's working on some logo stuff for us, and I get. This is really cool. This is a really, really fun thing. Just like, there's not a lot of like action figure breakdown stuff that's just done really well. So we're <laughs> we're trying true. to do it for you guys, like, but us as well because we love figures. Like, as you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of cool stuff down. We, you know, this it's kind of like Gambit's first appearance was in like X Men, blah 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 blah, or whatever. Like, this is kind of like action figure deconstruction was born in Top Five Comics podcast. That's and true. It's become its own thing now. So like. You know, go watch it and support it, and uh, you know, like and share. That's what we're. Yeah, it's 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 gonna become something even cooler. It keeps getting more fun. Like it's <laughs> really, it's that, no, it is. It's really neat, man. Like it's like it's like you and me. Like we're all about the hunt. That's like, true. We're gonna have to like until we start getting some support from some like some from some toy companies, and they send it early. We're gonna have to be like on the hunt to get some cool, mm. like get them before everybody else to be able to get this up. So. <laughs> It's bringing the hunt back. It's pretty cool. So yeah. Well, well, I think that's it. Yep. It's key. Nope. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man.